podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to Molby on the Spot. A little bit different this time. We've not got Trev, I'm afraid. He's uh, still still got a bad back, but since his bad's gone back, Liverpool have been winning, so it's not, not bad for everyone, is it? Um, but of course, we have got the main man with us. We have got Jan Molby, and it's our chance to talk to Jan about all that's gone on with Liverpool recently and, and what's, what's ahead. And Jan, it's been quite a good time recently, hasn't it, for Liverpool? Since you last did a show with Trev, we've... Uh, Two home games, two one nils, two clean sheets, six points. Um, couldn't really ask for more, could we? No, no. I mean, I had a certain amount of expectations for the games, but I expected to be goals in, in, in both games, to be fair. I thought there would be goals in the City game and, and likewise in, in the West Ham game. But, you know, I think the slight change of the way that we play, our approach in terms of the system, uh, have made us less vulnerable when we're not playing well, i.e., last half of the second half against West Ham, where we didn't play particularly well. Uh, but apart from one and a half chances, it didn't really create a lot. So, yeah, it's it's good times. And it is a bit, you know, when you talk about, Tim, and you must have heard Klopp say this a couple of weeks ago, you know, we've got to go back to basics. Yeah. When you go back to basics, it, it isn't necessarily going back to Mo Salah playing well and whatever. When you go back to basics, it's getting the ugly side of the game right, isn't it? Mm. And it appears that that's where we're at at the moment, isn't it? We're, you know, we're, 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 we're it's difficult to play against we've been for a while. Uh, we defend well, and, and we've kind of just grabs that, grasp what is it that that that, that makes us tick, isn't it? So yeah, I think we got to be delighted. On top of that, we got a run of games coming up where you think, you know, Forest away and Leeds at our place and. Southampton, okay, Spurs away is in between, is it? But there's a run of games that puts you in that kind of nice position before the World Cup, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think Klopp said the other day we've got loads of cup finals now, haven't we? Which is kind of true, but um, I don't think it was a surprise that Liverpool played a little bit less, um, let's not say slower, but you know, not quite as um, as out of the blocks as they were against City because they must have put everything into that City game. But this is the thing. This this was my worry was that. You play against a team like City, you'd, you'd have to be mad not to be up for that game. You can't imagine any professional footballer playing for Liverpool not going to be up for that game. But then it's trying to lift yourself, isn't it, for the game against the, I wouldn't say the lesser teams, but the, the teams that aren't quite as high up in the in the headlines and all the rest of it, where you know, maybe it's just a different feel. But th- this is this is what's important. And as you said, back to basics, this is what it's about, isn't it? This, this is something that um, I'm sure when you were playing for Liverpool that, um, start of the season, Ronnie Moran would be getting everyone's feet back on the ground, probably at, this, at the end of every win as well. Do you think that there's been a sort of need for that from Liverpool just to get the feet back on the ground and to kind of, you know, accept that last season was great, it was exciting, a couple of trophies, a couple of misses. We're starting again now, new season, not, that counts for nothing. I think there's always a need to remind people what makes you great, what is it that, that makes us tick and, and I come back to you know, all the things, all the sort of headline stuff, but that isn't necessarily what makes you tick, is it? So as a manager, you have to remind your players. And also sometimes you have to remind the, the crowd, isn't it? You know, what is it that actually makes us tick? And so we kind of come back to that. But whether you like it or not, and, and, and some fans don't like it, but as a player, not every game's the same. You know, people talk to me about playing at Anfield, and they, I go, fantastic. I said, but not every home game was the same. You know, some home games, you come out before the game and you go, wow, you know, this is one of them days, evenings. And other times you go, it's a bit, you know, and, and that's only natural, isn't it? So when I got to Anfield on Sunday for the City game and talking to broadcasters from all over the world, and, and they're kind of expecting cities to run away with this, you know, and I'm thinking, yeah. Anfield won't allow that. You know, it's it's like, I'll be playing Southampton. There might have been a few moans and groans, mm. but we're playing City. Yeah. And we realised that the team 
competition at the level it was a beast, so they need a bit of help. And that's exactly what Anfield did, wasn't it? You know, Anfield was never going to allow that, and they, and they were always always going to try, which for some reason we still managed to do. We still managed to intimidate City uh, on the pitches. Yet again, I'm looking, I'm thinking, Kevin De Bruyne, one of my favourite footballers, you know, but yet again, you know, big game, where was he? Yeah. You know, other players, another couple of players who... We don't have a lot of Anfield experiences, you know, relatively new players at, at, at City, isn't it? And I think even they were affected a little bit by it, isn't it? Almost the best thing that happened to the game was that disallowed goal in the second half of Manchester City because the whole ground just exploded, didn't they? You know, I think Liverpool realised this is a trigger that we need, isn't it? So, yeah, it was, it, it was one of those remarkable late afternoons. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think we've seen it before at Anfield. If if the other manager's getting heated and maybe having a go at our manager, then it's like, don't worry, Jürgen, we've got your back. And there's thousands and thousands of people got his back and, and getting on the back of the other manager as well at the same time. And it all does add to it. And I mean, this is the thing that, you know, in days gone by, Liverpool, Anfield had this reputation, didn't it, as this dangerous place to come to, this frightening place to come to. And, you know, we get many a game now where you hear the away fans singing about libraries and things, which must interest them in, for some reason, because they do go on about it a lot. But you're right, it, it can be sometimes hard for everyone to get up for it, but everyone was up for it on Sunday. And I wonder how much um, the pre-match stuff played into that, because you get to the stage sometimes with these press conferences, and it's almost like a couple of boxers getting ready with a press conference before a big fight, isn't it? Talking all sorts of stuff, you know, trash talking, trying to wind the other one up, trying to make themselves out to be great, and in the end, it all comes down to what's in the ring, and in, with Liverpool, it all comes down to what's on the pitch, but the stuff that went on before and afterwards, I think, I don't know about yourself, but I think Jürgen's had a bit of um, unfair criticism about his comments, because he did raise some valid points that Whatever money Liverpool are spending, there's teams above Liverpool, if you like, in the spending charts. So you can spend way more, not just on transfer fees, but on wages, on infrastructure, on other members of staff around the, around the place, on equipment. Um, you can't you can sort of understate the difference that that can make to a team, can you? No, uh, but I mean, it is one of those games that obviously the media, they try and sell every every game. And it's very hard. Is that sometimes, I mean, you know, OK, Liverpool have got a couple of interesting games with Forest and Leeds, which is just a bit of history, isn't it? But Liverpool race Southampton and Anfield, it can be a difficult sell, can't it? Uh, Liverpool Manchester City is not a difficult sell because you've got so many stories and it just depends on which one you pick up on. And no and behold, probably not always surprised that they decided yet again to go down the financial sort of route with, with the question, isn't it? And what can Klopp do? All he, has, all he can do is answer the question, isn't it? Mm. Uh, in In... In the manner that he sees things, isn't he? And let's not forget, I mean, Jürgen, as a manager thinking on his feet, he's as good as there is because he's a very, very bright man, isn't he? So, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I do think there was unfair criticism leading up to the game and after the game. And I guess we probably haven't heard the last of the things after the match because that that will be ongoing for a while. But you'll be closer to this than me, Jim. Are, are we are we finding a new sort of and we found a, a hatred now between Liverpool and Manchester City mm. that that we, we we never had, did we? I mean, you know, we had we had it with Manchester United, and there's a little bit with Everton, isn't it? But is there something developing here with with, with Manchester City? I mean, it, yeah. that's the way it looks to me. It feels like that way, I and mean, it's certainly that way on social media. But social media isn't like real life. I mean, going back to maybe. I think it's three or four years ago. I remember we played City and United really close together. I think United was. Um, was a Europa League game, so it's going back a while, and City was a league game, and I got the train both nights and sort of in the direction of Manchester, luckily not all the way, and for the Man United game, there was sort of two policemen on every door of the train, there was police everywhere, the whole place around, even Lime Street was just buzzing with police, you, you sort of knew something big was going on, and the police stayed on the train and made sure there was no trouble on every single carriage, it was quite... Un, you know, unexpected, didn't really taking things seriously. Played City, I think it was a few days later. Um, there was there was like no police anywhere to be seen. It was almost like, you know, the people on the train were just going shopping or something. It was a totally different feel. So, you know, that's when you will know there's a rivalry, I suppose, is when we see the policing getting a little bit like that. But a lot of it is sort of words and, and not so pleasant songs and stuff. But yeah, um, I don't know if you think the same as well. We never had a rivalry with Chelsea as such, did we? But that kind of came about when um, it was Rafa against Jose or Jose. And, you know, it was this sort of fake, almost plastic rivalry, which is fitting 
as a Liverpool fan to call it a plastic rivalry when it's Chelsea. Because of the flags, Jim. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get the plastic flags out, eh? <laughs> no, absolutely. No, I guess I guess in a way you're right, isn't it? It's, it's not deep-rooted, is it? You know, neither the Chelsea and the Manchester City probably isn't. And it probably has something to do with the moment, doesn't it? Mm. You know, there's every chance that that rivalry between Liverpool and Manchester City might disappear in another five or 10 or 15 years, whereas United will forever always be there. Isn't it? So maybe it is sort of a moment thing, isn't it? Maybe it is also something to do with with Klopp and, 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 and Guardiola and the way, because they're the rivalry in themselves, aren't they? You know, yeah. trying to kind of, I, I know that Guardiola wins more trophies, isn't it? But I still think there's a lot of people who feel that Klopp might just be the better manager. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I know I'm biased, but I think it, I'd rather go out for a couple of pints with Klopp than Pep. But, you know, I think it'd be a fascinating you're more likely, night. You're likely to go out with Klopp as well, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't think, I don't think there's much fun in Pep, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, well, so, yeah, let's stick to Jurgen if we're going to have a, an Erdinger. Yes, that's right. I mean, um, they're both passionate men, and that sort of that sort of spills out to the players as well in that in that sort of game, doesn't it? And I think when we when we look back at the lineup for that game, though, did you um, did you feel that was the right thing to do? Because we'd played against Rangers not not much earlier. We kind of ended the game. I think Milner had come on at right back so that Joe Gomez could go to the centre, and. It was a bit of a surprise that day when you saw the team and saw Milner at right back, or at least what it was for me. Did you feel like this could be a bit of a worrying thing that you know, all of all, you know, all due respect to James, he put so much effort into Liverpool down the years, but he's not getting any younger and asking him to play full back for ninety minutes against City, that could have been a tall order. Did you, did you have a bit of nervousness there like I did, or were you confident? No, no I'd be wrong to say I was confident. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we spoke about it last week on the podcast. Uh, it was one of those days where I was really keen on seeing the team sheet and see what we were going to do and what the formation was going to be. Uh, and then obviously a couple of big players missing. Uh, and you then think, James Middle has a right back, instant reaction to pressure. And you can imagine, wow, you know, after what happened last time, I even had a friend of mine who texted me and said, you know, by the end of 90 minutes, James Middle will, will feel like he's been run over by a car, you know. Uh, but it wasn't like that, was it? Uh, and I think what 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 there was, I think we played a more rigid, disciplined back four. I don't think it was that important to get our full-backs as much forward as we normally do. Yeah. And I think what Klopp said to Milner was, make sure you can see Foden at all times. Yeah. You know, don't get caught up, up the pitch with, with Foden lurking in your back. Make sure you can see him. And I think yeah. James Milner, once he can see the opposition, I think he's very good. Because I think his timing of going in for tackles and whatever... It was excellent. Only once in the whole game where he was slightly caught and James Miller got, uh, sorry, Foden got in behind him. But beyond that, he knew where he was at all times and he controlled him. But I have to be honest, seeing the line of it, you go, wow, this could kind of go any, any, any way. And I'm not sure what we can expect from, 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 from this lineup. Uh, but the lineup did what it was meant to do, got into the game because of the, the solid nature of our formation. And then we just grew in the game. And I think we grew also with the fact that. We limited City. You know, sometimes you, you get into a game and you go, wow, within two minutes, you know, we're in yeah. trouble here. We've been forced back. But that, that never really happened, did it? It was, no. it was really for the first 20 minutes, sort of a, like a nothing game going, going neither here or there. And I think that helped us. I think that gave us some confidence in the players that we picked. Isn't it? So uh, I, I felt it was actually funny enough at half time. The guy I was working with, he said, what do you think? I said, we'll score the win in the last 10 minutes. We didn't. It was a bit before that. Yeah. But I just felt that. The clock in the second half, for as long as it's nil, they will work in our advantage. Yeah. You know, because if we get to 90 minutes, they'll be looking and thinking, we can live with a point. A point at Anfield is a good result, isn't it? But it also makes them nervous, you know what I mean? So it wasn't only surprised. The only thing that was slightly disappointing, if anything, was that it was only 1 0. You know, because when you look at the, the sort of evidence after the chances that we had, you think, could have easily scored a few more. Yeah, I mean, two good goalkeepers on the pitch, two Brazilians, one slightly better than the other, I would say, but obviously I would. Um, it it wasn't sort of it, it was it would it was just a game, as you say, end to end stuff. Um, did you? I felt as, as the game went on that Liverpool almost were sort of happy to kind of not so much sit back, but sort of soak things up a little bit more and just wait for the break, which in the end was what got the goal. But prior to that was the disallowed goal. There was so much fuss about that. Um, Again, mentioning Pep, 
when the ref was finally called to look at the screen, which he should have been a week before, shouldn't he, when we played Arsenal, when he was finally called to look at the screen, Pep was giving him abuse and, and shouting at him when, you know, it's not his fault that the fourth uh, the, the VAR man said, come on, have a look at the screen. But in the end, he could have been disallowed it three three ways at least, couldn't it? It wasn't um, at least twice, sorry. It wasn't just the initial foul. There was a foul later on and such a fuss about it. But to me, that that was the VAR got that right. Yeah, they got it absolutely spot on. I mean, there is people, and I think this is a valid point, because of the line that the referee had took throughout the game, and he was letting it go. I mean, bloody hell, he was letting things go, wasn't he? Uh, it was a bit of a throwback to the old days. And a lot of people felt that he saw the, the, the Haaland, uh, Fabinho uh, thing, and he decided to let it go, and maybe Vars should have let it go. Uh, and I think, had he then gone to the second foul, Haaland, on, on Alisson, I think everybody then would have understood and said, yeah, well, that was pretty clear, wasn't it? I mean, yeah. you know, you can even have the ball under control with one one hand in these days, isn't it? But no, it's it's, it's impossible once you see that again, not to give a foul, isn't it? You know, it's it's a clear pull, isn't it? You know, and I was talking to somebody about it today, and, and they, I go, well, it's against the laws of the game to, to pull the opposition shirt, you know what I mean? Then you've got to decide whether it's enough or not, but just the sheer fact that you do it, yeah. it, it, it it's an offence, isn't it? So, I mean... Bah, it's great, isn't it? But Christ almighty, it causes some anxiety, doesn't it? And it causes some yeah. arguments. And, you know, people just keep finding stuff. Why are they not looking at this? Why are they not doing that? Well, there's only so many things VAR can do, isn't it? Mm. You know, like corners. People go, that was never a corner. I said, well, VAR can't, can't no. interfere, you know, with the rewarding of corners and free kicks and things like that. So a lot of people, the problem is that a lot of people don't quite understand where VAR's power is, you know. No, and I don't think it helps that there's never really any explanation about decisions afterwards as well. You know, I think we've it's been talked about for years now that referees should be sort of put in front of the press at the end or maybe, you know, gently put in front of the press, if you like, not in front of a, a barrage of reporters, but, you know, just given an opportunity to be asked a couple of questions about decisions that went a strange way. Um, it's still not happened and we just don't hear anything, do we? You know, when a decision is controversial, it's very rare that you hear anything from the from the officials, even from the head office of the officials, if you like, to say why they did something and, and why we're all confused. And for all we know, it could have been not that they um, weren't looking properly or that they forgot the rules. It could just be they actually had a valid reason for it that we just didn't get from the nuances of the game. But one one thing VAR does do, and as you as you said then, is that a ref will like let things go, he'll allow things, he'll play advantage, he'll ignore things, keep the game flowing. As soon as it goes to VAR, in a way all that kind of leniency goes out the window, doesn't it? It's all black and white then. It's either against the laws of the game or within the laws of the game. And then that there's your decision. And as you say, I think that, that made a difference. But the stuff that he was letting go, um, I don't know. I'm, I've sort of got mixed feelings about it, really, that, yeah, you don't want things pulled up for every single foul, but it was getting a bit ridiculous to the point where Salah was getting wrestled with down by the byline at one point in the game and it was play on. Um, the pictures of that, with Silver sort of practically taking Salah's shirt off him. How how did that get play on? I think the biggest thing with it, Jim, is that it just doesn't fit in the modern game. You know, we want things to, we want the referee to allow things in it, but there's so many things it doesn't fit, isn't it? You know, we've, we've, we've been used to something else. We've been used to the referees giving fouls for almost everything. So it doesn't fit with the way that we view it. And I think it's even for our generation, it's difficult to go back to that and go, in the 70s and 80s, they would have let, yes, but we're not in the 70s and 80s anymore, are we? Mm. So so I do kind of find it a little bit. The one thing that disappointed me the most, in fairness, and I think always managers has a responsibility, is Pep Guardiola. And he's right in saying that all afternoon at Anfield, it was let it go, let it go, let it go. Yeah. And then it's our situation and it's a goal and it is allowed. Yeah, I said, because when it's a goal, they have to look through it. Yeah. You know, all these, the most Salah incident with Bernardo Silva, VAR can't do anything. No. But because a goal is scored, they have to go back through it, isn't it? And I'm amazed that Pep came out and said that, isn't it? I'm like screaming, I'm going, please, please know what VAR is there for, isn't it? You know what I mean? And, and that will make it easier for everybody then to understand, isn't it? You know, instead of saying, and you've got all the Manchester City fans, yeah, he's bloody right, isn't it? The only one VAR checked was the goal, yes, because that's the only thing they do check, you yes. know what I mean? It is pretty straightforward sometimes, isn't it? So, but yeah, I I don't know what expect what expectations did we have? It was never going to be a, a perfect game, you know. Even Bar was never going to give us a perfect game. But I'm not I'm not 100 sure I expected this before every game, you know. Yeah. After every game, it just it is absolutely relentless, isn't it? You know? 
yeah yeah it's um it's, it's just how it is isn't it i mean the, the, there's, there's so much hype around the game now and so much time to fill i suppose i mean i think at least on ai pro we try to just well we are biased but we do try to give good content but i think a lot of the time a lot of the content out there is really people starting to scrape the barrel and if you can kick up a bit of a fuss about something that went on in a game that maybe wasn't that bad you can fill a few more column inches and another five minutes of broadcast time on onto the team itself though in that shape um Salah, new new position for him, effectively, because we've not kind of seen much of him in that position for Liverpool, but it seems to be his best position in the middle. But, as we found a couple of days later, maybe we're not always going to be able to play him there. So, is it going to be a problem if we can only play him out wide? Or do you think these are the ways that we get him back to his old self? He kind of, his muscle memory comes back and he remembers how good he is. So... The, the most I like against West Ham when he was playing out wide, uh, I don't feel he was as isolated as he, he has been early on in the season. And I think sometimes that has to do with, with Bobby. Mm. You know, when Bobby plays, there's a, there's a natural link, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's, 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 it's people go, why can't Nunez do that? I, I'm not talking about he can or can't do it, but he doesn't think like that. No. And that's the whole thing, isn't it? Nunez doesn't think, where can I link? He's only thinking, I need to be in one spot, mm. which essentially, isn't it? You know, so so you can't expect him to do that. Uh, but I do f- feel that if we're going to go on with this system, so whether that's four two four or four four two, I'm I'm not sure. I'm I'm not 100 happy with Mo Salah having to play as almost like a, a a wide midfielder on the right because I feel that what we're doing then is we're almost turning him into Dirk Kite. Mm. You know, we 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 took Dirk Kite out of the firing line and put him as a, as a, as a right sided midfield player because he worked hard and he was still a little bit of a a goal threat, isn't it? And I don't yeah. want Mo. There's more to Mo than that, isn't it? Mm. I don't want Mo to spend all his energy running up and down. That's not his job, is it? I mean, when he played in the front three, he did let, less presses than everybody else and he had more shots than everybody else because that's how you get the most out of him, isn't it? Yeah. So if we're going to go ahead and carry on 4 4 2 4 2 4, whatever, I do prefer him centrally. And I can see, I don't know how long that Bobby Firmino good form is going to continue uh, because he's been very impressive. Uh, but you could also imagine one day, Mo and Nunez playing together centrally, and, and that should be fair, is a handful, isn't it? Yeah, it's almost like a Keegan and Toshak. Yeah, that's <laughs> a handful, that, isn't that it? That kind of thing, yeah. isn't it? Those two. Yeah. And, and getting a partnership, and this is something as well. I think people may, you sort of forget because you you get you do get wound up when the season's not going well. You do sort of look for reasons and and try and apportion blame and stuff. But you know the, the way Liverpool have played recently is like they used to play back in the olden days, which is almost telepathically. They all know each other. They know the runs they're going to make, the passes they're going to make. You know they, they know what's going to happen almost without even looking. Could almost play with their eyes shut. That 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 when they play that well as a team, but. This season, there's been so much sort of upheaval, if you like, because of injuries and new players coming in, old players leaving and so on. It's going to take a little bit of time for those sort of telepathic pathways to be picked up, isn't it? And for Nunez to understand what his team play, what his teammates can do for him and for them to understand what he can do for them. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, everything takes time. And it's, it's not as if you're replacing like with like. You know, you're looking at somebody totally different. And a lot of people obviously ask me, uh, you know about Nunez and they go what do you think and I'm thinking I'd love to play with that guy yeah. mm. you know he's everything that I like to play with you know what I mean um, I was never necessarily looking for Kenny's feet or Peter Beatty's feet or whatever I always wanted to go that in behind which was Rushy's run or whatever and I'm thinking Nunez he's there all day for me isn't it because all he wants to do is stretch the play threaten the in behind their defences and, and and I would love that all day long isn't it? and also the position he takes up when the ball's out wide isn't it you know but that's why we've got to get used to something totally different, isn't it? Yeah. We have our centre halves. Our centre halves bring the ball out and they want to play into Bobby's feet. And Nunes is on his bike already, isn't it? So there's there's a lot of things to adjust. Yeah, and they, and I think they will. They will. I mean, I, I've said this as well about Klopp ever since he came to Liverpool that mistakes happen. He goes away, he looks at him and does something to try and fix them. And you know, it, it's forever learning. It's never someone who thinks the job's done. And it never is, is it, when you're in, in mainstream football, in the big leagues, in the big games, it, the job's never done. And that's something that's always been drummed in from the boot rim days onwards at Anfield, that the job's never done. Um, midfield, though, is that something that's going to make a difference to how we can play further forward as well? Because we've had, you know, players missing from midfield. There's still a lot of people thinking that we've never really properly replaced Genie. But then you look at plays like Thiago on his day and you think, wow, you know, where's he been all our lives? Because he's such an excellent player. But 
there's still that kind of thing that, you know, what is our best midfield and is everyone in it someone we can rely on all season because have we got the, the, the right fitness levels from them all? And I, I couldn't say where our best midfield is at the moment. I don't know whether Jürgen could. Uh, any thoughts yourself? What's the best? Well, I think the thing with Gini Van Melden is more so than anything else is availability, isn't it? Yeah. I think that was a massive thing with Gini, always available. And, and, and I don't care what anyone says. When our midfield was spot on, with, with Henderson, Fabinho and Van Elden, that's when we were at our best. When that three worked, we, we were at our best. Now, at the moment, we're, we're kind of going with two in there a lot of the times. And when we did go with three around the season, I don't think we, I think very rarely we got the three that we wanted together. Yeah. And then that's another issue, isn't it? So I can't have it any other way that when the season's finished and we need to spend money next summer, that'll be the area. You know, there'll be the area where we're going to look for somebody. Whether that is Bellingham on that type or that all that money, I don't know. But mm. surely, and and also when you look at obviously James Milner coming to the end, and I don't know what we do with Oxley Chamberlain, I don't know what Navigator's plans are, and I don't know Curtis Jones and progress or lack of progress. You know, there's enough things that we need to discuss right around that, isn't it? But midfield has to be a priority. It has to be a priority. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you're, you're right. With those other players you've just listed, you never know. You might get a sort of... I don't think anyone expected Matip to come back and play the way he did after all these injury problems to get such a good season as the one he had last season. But you're right. That that, that has to be the bonus, doesn't it? If one of these players comes back and does well, that's great. And competition as well. Um, I always remember when Robbie, Rushy and Stan Collymore were the, were the three forwards sort of fighting for two places. There was no rotation back then. For all I could ever think was, you know, we, people were saying Liverpool had wasted money on Stan Collymore, but in reality, what may have been happening was that Rushy and Robbie were playing the best football of their lives so that Stan couldn't get in the team. And it was almost worth a transfer fee in itself doing that. And competition is something that at times we've lacked this season. But one one example of that is um, left back. We've got two really good left backs. There's been a little bit of criticism at Simicast, which I'm not really sure that I get, because the way Liverpool play, it feels like it's going into that age-old thing about, you know, we're, we have attacking fullbacks, and you know, if players are going to get caught out, it's probably because of the way we're playing more than saying anything about them. But you know, it to me, having Simicast fighting for your position with Robbo, you suddenly get a much better Robbo. Um, that's not something to come to be worried about, is it? That's that's something to be glad about. Yeah, I think so. And and, and just to finish off what you said about Collymore and, and Fowler and, and Russ, I, I think Bobby Firmino was a perfect example this year. Yeah. I think is this is the first time where somebody's come to take his place. Mm. The last two we bought for the front line was Shotter and Diaz, and he knows they're not coming for me. They're gonna play elsewhere. Nunez comes, he knows, oh, he's gonna take my 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 place. I'll get my chance and I've got to make sure I'm ready. And I think yeah. that's a big difference in it. So going back to Simicas and, and Robbo, Simicas might get a bit of criticism because he's not Robbo. Mm. But, but I mean, why, why Why? would you have two fullbacks either side of the same? It's impossible, isn't it? Yeah. You know, so so there has to be a little bit of a drop-off. And Simicas brings other things uh, than what, what Robbo does, isn't it? So, but if you can if you can reach a situation or a level now where you feel comfortable playing either, even in big games, surely that's a bonus in itself. Because I don't think there's any Liverpool fans who weren't worried that Robert was going to run himself out of the game. Yeah. You know, up and down, up and down, never stop, injuries, not 100%. And you think, how long How long can this go on? Yeah. You know, so that, that had to be a worry. And now, you know, after the City game, isn't it? West Ham, out he comes in, arrest yourself, make sure you're right treatment between the games and whatever. It's the only way to do it, isn't it? So I think it's a dream scenario. I can't wait for the... I know we've got James Milner, uh, but it's not fair on James Milner having to play right back. And it's not fair on Joe Gomez either. So we've got the young boy uh, up from Scotland who we haven't seen yet. Yeah. But I can't wait for him to be at that level where you go, do you know what? He can easily stand in for Trent. Different, but he can stand in. And, and when you, when you... It's also the benefit of Robbo getting a rest. It's the benefit of Trent getting a rest, isn't it? You know, some people have this thing about it's only a game of football. They only play three times a week. I mean, you know, unless you've done it, Jim, people have no <laughs> idea what it, you know, no. people have no idea what it takes out of those players, you know. And these players are superhumanly fit, the fitter than they've ever been. But still, they get tired, they get fatigued, yeah. and they need rest. 
And it's mental uh, fatigue as well, I'm sure, because you, you're playing in a game like that. There's so much on your head in the build-up, and then during the game itself, it's you know it's, it's going to take its toll mentally as well as physically. But yeah, um, what was that stat they came up with the other day about how fast Nunez can run, something like 38 kilometres an hour he was clocked at, which, you know, I can't run anything like that fast, and I never could. You know, to, to be to be sort of at that kind of level, we, you know, we don't, you know, the, the the man in the street really doesn't realise what athletes these players are. No. And as I said before, and it's again and again and again, isn't it? And also, let's not forget they train also, you know, and, and, and we know the club is demanding in training. We train like we play. So it's, mm. it is extremely, it, it is extremely, extremely, and you mentioned the mental sort of thing before. Back in our day, we could get away with it and we mm. could get away from it as well. Yes. You know, often there was there was focus on the games the day before and on the day. But then for the rest of the week, there was nothing. Now it's 24 hours, isn't it? You know, we're, we're serving. We're serving up for the whole world, aren't we? There's news all the time. Players can't get away from it. There's no way you can get away from it. We could go f- to the races ahead of for the day, isn't it? And nobody mm. would bother you. Have a yeah. few beers and chill and whatever. Where, where, where do these players relax? Yeah. You know, apart from at home. There's nowhere for them to relax. They can't. You can't have a nice day out, can they? There's people everywhere, isn't it? There's always a camera somewhere and whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> People are always going about the money, Jim, but... Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch and those must-have fan threads? Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design T-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Money's not everything, isn't it? I mean, I feel for these players, I do. Yeah, I mean money's not what I mean money's not what's in your head when you're running onto that pitch either, and that's something that I've always been wound up by that kind of, you know, what you know. Do you realise how much we're paying you? You should be playing better than this because of what we're paying you. That that's I don't know. Money's not the thing that gets through your day, whatever job you do. It's the thing that maybe gets you to go and work at that place or play for that club, but it's not what gets you through your day. Um, you know, they're, they're still human beings at the end of the day. Um, although. I did think at one point that maybe they weren't, because I'm just going to talk about the goal against City. Now, we get the midfield. We didn't really need it, did we, for the goal? Um, Ali with his assist to Salah, that was um, that was almost not human, That the way Salah took that ball and the confidence in him to just run straight at the keeper and, and, and get that in. That, that goal was so quick, such quick thinking from Ali. And then, you know, Mo just doing the rest. It was, um, I don't know, when they come to do the goal of the seasons, that's got to be one on the list, surely. He had a similar chance early on, hadn't he? Uh, where I always felt that the, the earlier chance he had, they, he never quite got the ball away from his feet. Mm. So he's always like slightly fighting. And I felt that he's, he's, he's never, even the best players in the world needs to be comfortable the moment that they strike the ball, don't they? And I always felt that his strike pattern was wrong for that shot. So he ends up having a shot in fairness to the goalkeeper. You mentioned two great goalkeepers before. It was a good save. He, he, he pushed it out for the corner, which the referee didn't see. Uh, mm. But the second one, you just felt that he was in charge. It was yeah. almost as the first chance the ball was decided when he needed to hit that. The second chance he was in charge, wasn't he? And he was waiting for the goalkeeper just to give him that corner, isn't it? Give me something. Goalkeepers always have to give you something. You know, give me something to aim at. Once he gave him that, bang. And it wasn't until the next day, I think, and you saw the the, the, the footage of, of, like, you had Virgil van Dijk, didn't you? Uh half celebrating and you had Pep Guardiola <laughs> on his knees, isn't he? I mean, I mean, it, this is drama theatre, isn't it? You know, yeah. but, but I think they all knew. Yeah, because he had the he had the Sissy defender that he beat. I can't think which player it was now, but he he just he was just devastated. As soon as as soon as he knew he'd been lost, he knew that was going to go in. He knew that was that was it. He was done. And and that's the thing. I think that when we see Salah in that mood, you just you know goals are going to happen, and it's just it has been good to see. Um, even so, though, I think just quickly on the referee, because I don't like giving him too much attention, but Klopp got sent off and he's been charged by the FA. Um, do you think that the, he deserves a touchline ban for that? Or do you think 
you know, given the circumstances, the sort of game it was, the things that had happened in front of him, that maybe, you know, a good selling off and the fact he got sent off, um, is that not punishment enough? Yeah, it's, it's always interesting when, when managers get sent off because they deal uh, case by case. Yeah. Uh, what you do is they, 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 they find a reason to, to charge you and then you reply to that charge and then they make a decision. Uh, I mean, a lot have been said about Klopp's behaviour and he said a lot himself. And mm-hmm. I, I like the fact that he's come out and said, that is not a good sign. I mm-hmm. apologise, I shouldn't have done And I think that's, I look at that and I go, you know, he he behaved a little bit foolish, I would say. Yeah. You know, foolish because you know you're not going to get away with it. Uh, the interesting bit now is just that what he's been charged with and, and, and whether he pleads guilty or not guilty. Uh, do I think it's worth a ban? I never think it's worth a ban for the manager. I just, I've never quite got that, uh, what the benefits are in, in terms of sticking a manager in the, in, in the, in the stands. Uh, so I guess once they eventually get around, I mean, I, I can tell you, Jim, I've been a manager myself and... Uh, you plead not guilty. You're up against an organisation there that you almost can't win any case. So I would think that Klopp has already taken the first step by going, shouldn't have done it, apologise. And I think his second step would be to plead guilty and yeah. just get it out of the way and hope by then they'll look at him and go, OK, he doesn't deserve a ban. But I think he pleads not guilty and he goes up in front of them with a defence. I think they might come down on him a little bit harder. Yeah, and it's the time it takes as well, isn't it, to have a defence. In a lot of ways, he's better off just saying, yeah, I did it, I'm really sorry, please don't hurt me too much. Anyway, I'm going back to training now to sort these players out. It's Exactly, it's, that's it's, his job, isn't it? Yeah, um, and you're right. I mean, if you've ever read, if anyone listen, watching this and listening to this has ever sort of read the FA's written reasons for things that they do, it is like it's like a court case, you know, it's, it's unreal. But Jim... You can't recommend for anyone to read that, can you? No, no. Because I mean, this is, is what you know. It's horrendous, isn't it? Yeah, you're trying to go to sleep one night, try yeah. and read one of them. You won't get to the end. Um, but listen, you know, give Club a fine. I, I was thinking when they find managers, and it's quite significant amounts, isn't it? Let the managers decide where they want to stick the money, you know? Yeah, that's that is true. I mean, that that would be a good a good way to do it, wouldn't it? Because the money yeah. the, the money's token money, isn't it? I mean, it's not. Yeah. You know, no. the, it's not like the FA need the money to keep keep things ticking over. They've got plenty of money, but yeah, send it to a charity that deserves it. That, that would make exactly. sense. In fact, yeah. I reckon a lot of managers would maybe even double the fine. You know, they'd do that just to just to sort of show, you know, even more. They, they'd pay extra to the charity of the choice. They, they do almost a similar thing at Leeds when the players are fined. They give it to staff that work at the club, you know, and obviously, you know, Depending on what your job are, isn't it? But, but I guess, you know, the cleaners at Leeds wouldn't be any better paid than the cleaners at a university or whatever. So it won't be great. And then a player gets five, five on the pound and they go, go and give it to the girl in reception or go and give it to the cleaner. Whatever. And I think that's a really great idea. Yeah, it is, isn't it? And, it? and that's the thing as well. I think I like that, that sound as well is that everyone's part of the club because you hear players say it sometimes, but I think it's definitely been the case at Anfield. It would have been when you were there, definitely, that everyone is part of the club. Whatever, whatever job you've got at the club, you're important. You do something. Otherwise, you wouldn't be there. You wouldn't be getting paid. And that, that can be the difference, can't it, for what makes the club so successful is all those little things being right. Um, and I think Liverpool have done that well. Um, certainly in the more high-profile jobs, they've always got the best people for the job. Certainly under the new owners, the, the, I say new, they've been around a long time now, under FSG, but they've always made sure that key roles are staffed by the best people. And But to me, that applies all the way from top to bottom, if you like, to, to every single job. You've got to have the best people and make them feel welcome and f- feel part of something. I, I always felt that when I, when I was there is that the nearest people you have to you, which are the people who work for the club, you need them to be on your side, don't you? Mm. You know, and, and, and I think that's massive, isn't it? Outside, it's very difficult to control, isn't it? Whether that's the media, whether sometimes it could be your own fans, can't it? Uh, getting on players' backs and whatever. We always felt that. We used to come into Anfield every day to get changed and you'd turn up and there's the two girls who, who do all the cleaning, but they also make you a cup of tea and a piece of toast in the morning and, yeah. you know, and, and, and they would go... Oh, great results at the or don't worry about it, you know what I mean? We're playing it. You know, but all them little things, isn't it? You know, yeah. people will go, that's insignificant, but please believe me, you know what I mean? It's mm. not. None of them things are ever insignificant. And I also think that sometimes that's why sometimes they would let people in our dressing room yeah. uh, that normally wouldn't be allowed in our dressing room. Staff, just to, to kind of give you something else to think about or get a staff member to come in and go, 
oh, you're my favourite player, can I have a picture? You know, whatever, they, yeah. just little things like that, isn't it? You know, just to lift the mood, isn't it? You know? Because yeah. it can. People don't believe, but it can be a lonely, lonely sort of place when things are not going well. That can either be as a team or as an individual. Yeah, I can't imagine, because, I mean, I know... Back, back when I did read all the papers all the time, I couldn't go near the paper shop on a Sunday if we'd lost. I, mean, I can't imagine what it's like being a player, you know, and especially now, as you say, you can't escape it, can you? I mean, at least back then I could avoid, you know, the aftermath of that game. You know, if we'd lost against Man United, of all people, you wouldn't want to be in the paper shop on a Sunday or a Monday, really. You wouldn't want to see any of the back pages. You'd want to avoid them. But now you you just can't escape. And as players, it must, it must play on the minds. Um, but I think after that City game, what was playing on... The Reds' minds was we'd just won. We'd won, you know, probably the biggest game of the season for us up to now, the most difficult game of the season in a lot of ways. We've done it well, but now, you know, there's really no time to recover. We played that on Sunday. By the time the game was over, the next thing you know, you're getting ready for West Ham. There's like two full days between the two games, and there's not enough players in the squad sort of to give everybody a rest. So at least some of them are going to be involved for some of the game. Um, how do you get yourself ready for that so soon afterwards? Is it is it a case of bringing yourself down to earth, or, or you know how how do you switch from that massive game and then get yourself up for West Ham? I mean, obviously, I guess like everybody else, I'm I'm not a fan of the uh, of the, of the schedule of the fixtures, and, and no. we keep going back to this Winter World Cup, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so how do you do it? I mean, I guess they would have been in an action on the Monday, isn't it? That's the first thing you do with, mm. with, with the staff, isn't it? That's not Klopp wouldn't be anywhere near that. He would have members yeah. of his backroom staff, isn't it, who would then deal with the players, isn't it? And yeah. It's like this, we start again. You know, and I know it sounds so boring, isn't it? But yeah. every 72 hours, you kind of say the same thing. We start again and off yeah. you go again. And how do we repair? And we go through all that again. And, and that's the only way it can be, isn't it? But it can be sometimes, because you know that as a fan, isn't it? Sometimes you just want to sit back and savour that moment forever, yeah. you know. But it's not possible, is it? You know, we, we've had great games and then you go out for the beer afterwards and you, you meet your mates and the lads you play with us and you go, I could do this the rest of my life. Yeah. You know, just having this feeling now, I've got, the, yeah. I've got this feeling right now, I'm having a beer with my mates, you know, what is this feeling? And next day, ripped up, let's go yeah. again. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's how it has been, how it's got to be though, hasn't it? And and they are professionals, so it, I suppose that um, for the likes of us, you know, I mean, we find it hard getting all the podcasts in sometimes, but for the players, it's it's a hell of an ask. But the game against West Ham, I think there were there were a few changes. It, it was inevitable um, because sadly we we'd lost one of one of the the stars of the game against City. He's out now. He's going to miss that Winter World Cup. Diogo Jota. It's such a sad thing to see and. I couldn't help but thinking that maybe if we'd had a bit more strength in depth, that maybe, maybe we'd have taken him off a little bit earlier and maybe he wouldn't have just done that hamstring so late on. So it was probably the only game we were going to play before the World Cup where we weren't going to take somebody off to, mm. to try and save them because of yeah. the enormity of the game. Because if you look at the West Ham game, we made changes in the second half, changes that didn't help us, but we made them. And I think that was trying to protect some of the players who, who came off, isn't it? But Shota is, and I guess always will be, there is always people who are underrated. Mm. You know, people underestimate the importance. Yeah. Uh, I know it's been an awful long time since he scored, but I just felt that when he came back from his injury in the last couple of games, I just think what he brings, you know, has been so important. You know, the Arsenal away game. Again, against Manchester City at home, and he brings something that none of the others bring. Mm. I mean, instantly when he came, I thought, this guy is just going to be about goals, but he's got more to his game. So he's a big, big loss. And and of course, you know, for anyone to miss a World Cup, it's, it's terribly sad. Yeah, I think it, it reminds me of Paul Walsh many, many years ago. Um, you were <laughs> playing for us at the time. And Absolutely. Are you, old enough to rem- are you old enough to remember that, Jim? Oh, yeah, I remember him. And I remember him wearing Kenny's shirt and not scoring yeah, the goals. Yeah. And yeah, there was quite a bit of stick for him, wasn't there, that he wasn't scoring. Yeah. But I remember watching him, you know, standing on the cop and it's all the other stuff he did. And and to be honest with you, you don't always pick that up on TV, do you? You know, if you just watch no. the highlights on Match of the Days, it would have been there. Yeah. You don't see all that other stuff that they're doing. And and he made a, a massive difference to the team without getting on the score sheet. But it doesn't matter as long as you're winning. Yeah, I know he was a great player for the <laughs> I mean, I, when, when I came... He, we basically signed around the same time, so we stayed in the City Centre Hotel, uh, so I got to know him really well. 
Yeah. Uh, but he was a, he was a super little player who eventually got frustrated yeah. uh, by the lack of playing time. You know what I mean? And then he's he, I, I guess his career didn't quite get the level that maybe his talent deserved, isn't it? But yeah. you know, he was he was he was a terrific little player. Yeah, it's a shame. I mean, he he had some big boots to fill, though, didn't he? Anfield wearing that, <laughs> I mean, a big shirt number to put on his back as well, which you know takes a lot of courage. But um, coming back to the present day, though, in the game against West Ham, David Moyes just doesn't know how to win at Anfield, does he? But that still didn't make it, you know, an easy game. And it was nice to see Trent back. So I thought for the first half it was typical sort of David Moyes uh, performance at Anfield. Uh, yeah almost petrified, you know, uh, sent his players out uh, as if to say, let's see what they've got. Uh, mm. let, they, 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 will, they will decide what kind of game it is, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, they never really laid a glove on us and quickly it became evident when we were, we were on top. We, we had loads of short, quick passes, moved the ball around, created our chances, got our goal. Uh, and then at half time, you thought, Second second goal kills this. The second goal end the game, isn't it? It never came. And in fairness, the first half performance never came in the second half either, really. Uh, and I actually come back to we 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 looked out on our feet. Yeah. You know, I thought we looked tired. Uh, but the one thing that pleased me more than anything, apart from the three points, was the fact that I didn't think we looked over vulnerable. You know, I didn't think we created too many chances. Uh, so in the end, as somebody said today, we just about did enough. Yeah, I'd say, and I mean, the, the the first thing we did is the thing that always gives you a chance of winning a game, which is keeping a clean sheet, and that's two in a row now. And you can't underestimate the importance of those. And interesting that the goal came from two players who sort of didn't start the game against City. That it was, um, although it was a great a great ball from from Thiago, which Simicast turned into a great cross, and then Nunes did the rest. But that that was just one of many chances for him against West Ham and. It does feel like, doesn't it, that he's going to get the rub of the green sooner or later and he's going to get a hatchet because, you know, if it's not the post, it's good keeping. Um, occasionally some bad decisions from him, but, you know, it feels like he's, he's not far away from a hatchet for us. He's a massive impact player, isn't he? Mm. You, know, you, know, you, know, you know, whether you think everything he does is, is, is top draw or not, but his impact isn't. He's involved, he runs away, he, he, he he pesters the defenders non-stop, isn't he? And he gets in good positions. He's not scared. You know, some of the things you think, do you really want to shoot from here? But he does, you know. Yeah. So he is one of those guys that it's a reminder to, to people who play against him that you have to be on your toes all the time because you, you never quite know where you got this guy and you never quite know what he's capable of, isn't it? So there's a lot of things I like about him. What, the, the, the goal actually, Jim, it was like, I, I think as the ball has gone out to Simicast, I think West Ham is quite happy. Yeah. Simicast is like standing still, isn't it? The defenders are in their place, and you think it was going to be a hell of a cross. And to be fair, it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Right in between the two centre halves, and being in the main stand and behind that header, and you knew as soon as he headed that, it's going to bounce and it's going to drift away from the goalkeeper. There's no way he's going to be able to get anywhere near that, isn't it? Yeah. It's a really good goal. Really good goal. And he's not a bad keeper either, Fabianski. Um, I think I've said it on one of our other podcasts. I've had got a lot of time for him because when we played them last season. I was in the cop behind the goal and he was getting a bit of, you know, light-hearted stick off the cop as you do when you're a keeper at Anfield. And he was he was, he was, was giving as good as he got. He was pulling faces and having a laugh with the cop. And, you know, that that's that's what sort of endears goalkeepers to us. We always used to applaud the, the uh, opposition goalkeeper when they came down to the cop end. Hopefully, you know, for the second half because we'd won the toss. But either way, we'd always applaud the keeper and, and they'd give him a little boost. They didn't applaud us back. But, yeah, these these are the characters in the game, and yeah, it was. I, I was quite pleased that you know that he didn't do too badly because I, I do have a lot of time for Fabianski, but obviously different level to our keeper who went and saved a penalty. Um, I actually missed the penalty incident because I was watching it on Amazon, and it, um, internet problems are Amazon's internet problems. Who knows? It froze, but from the VAR, it was pretty clear it was a penalty, but. Then Virgil van Dijk did something to the spot which people are trying to make out as being something bad. And I was thinking of you when I saw this and I thought, did you ever get to take a penalty on a perfect penalty spot when you were taking the pens for us? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, I think often, and you will know this, Jim, there wasn't any penalty spot. Yeah. You know, you go to, I mean, I remember taking one down at Derby in the mud when we beat him 7-1. Yeah. And yeah, and you go to the referee, where, where do I put the ball? <laughs> there's, there's no penalty spot, is it? So... We, we, we referred to the Virgil van Dijk thing in our commentary last night. 
Uh, and he's, and I said, well, he, he, yeah, he stood on the spot, but he hasn't done anything other than that. And how many people run over that spot during the game? Yeah. Uh, so, in normal time, apart from Jared Bowen and maybe one or two other West Ham players, there's not a person in Anfield who thinks that's a penalty. Mm. But of course, once it's shown again, slowing down or whatever, as you said, yeah. jumps in, doesn't get the ball, referee's got no choice, it's a penalty. The only thing I will say is that, and I don't know how that would have affected me, but you know the time the penalty takers have to wait to take a penalty yes. these days. Yeah. It's a long time, isn't it? Yeah. You know, and yeah. just looking at Jared Bowen because knowing that if a penalty is awarded, he was the one who's going to take it. And he just never looked comfortable. He never looked like, you know, whenever this penalty is going to be taken, I'm ready. Uh, take nothing away from the save, isn't it? You know what I mean? Great mm-hmm. save, isn't it? You know what I mean? So, yeah. Yeah. Correct decision to give the penalty. But Ali, yet again, who I think just about is still our player of the season so far. Isn't it? I think he's been terrific yet again. It's, it's just good to know you've got him, and that you know, as it was when we had Brucey and Ray Clements and stuff. That you know, when the, when they're on the game, and the rest of the team has one of those moments where something does slip through, that you've got that last absolute last line of defence who can so often bail you out, and he's he's done that so often for Liverpool, um, and of course nowadays he's popping up with goals and assists as well. You can't ask for much more from a keeper. Um, that of course leads us on to the next game, which is, in a way, kind of a, a team we did have a rivalry with back in the day. A bit like, you know, we were just talking before about the, the rivalry with City. Forest were um, big rivals for us back when Cluffy was boss. You know, they were they were taking trophies off us and things in the 70s, getting in our way. But obviously they've hit hard times for a bit, but now they're back in the top flight. But struggling a little bit. But there's also a sort of a Liverpool connection, isn't there, with the manager who used to work for used to work for Liverpool, who used to be one of our youth coaches? I actually think, and I don't know if you feel the same way, Jim, but I think that Forrest back in the 70s, early 80s, was in many ways a terrific story. Mm. You know, it, it, it was amazing what they what they managed to achieve uh, with with Clough and, and and those players, isn't it? And, and and I think because of that, I'm delighted to see them back. It's been one of those clubs that I've been, you know, we 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 get the you no, know, but we get the Huddersfields and whatever. And you think, no, no, I want Forrest. Let's let's get Forrest back. You know what I mean? So now they're back. I think the manager is a very good manager. Although uh, looking at what he's achieved so far. Some people will argue that he isn't. But I think you look right the way through his CV with, with, with Liverpool Academy and the age groups with England uh, and the job he did at, at Swansea. I think he's a really good manager. I do, however, think that Forrest, as a club, have made a bit of a mess of this coming back into the Premier League with the sheer amount of players that they've signed. Uh, yeah. I know that last season when they came up through the playoffs and the... Uh, they had five, I think, significant loan players that went back, so they had to sign some players, but 22 or 23, too many, I think. Yeah, I mean, that's what we were saying before, talking about the telepathy amongst the Liverpool players and when you get changes that, you know, that's not in, in place, but at least there's still some of the old links when, when you just change a few players and it's just a couple of injuries. But that that takes a long time to build up that understanding, doesn't it, with each other? Not with each other and also from the manager as well, getting your head around what the manager wants you to do. So it was... It was a big mistake, but are they going to start settling down now? Are they going to be a problem for us this weekend? Because I think, was it was it the FA Cup or the League Cup we played them recently? And, you know, they didn't make life easy for us, did they, at their place? So it could be a tough one or, or what? Yeah, so so last season it was in the FA Cup, wasn't it? And they had that terrific run uh, where they beat Arsenal and Leicester before we knocked them out. Uh, and they were obviously then riding on a real high because they were doing well, well. Uh, City Grand Rock, which to be fair will be on Saturday as well, yeah. uh, because I think it's probably the one game they're looking forward to the most. I would think mm. because of the his because of the history, you know. Yeah. Will it cause us any problems? They shouldn't. But I do think there's things that will affect the game for how long I don't know, and the atmosphere being one of them, and also the fact that they got themselves okay. It was only a nil-nil draw, but it's somewhere to start for them, wasn't it? A yeah. clean sheet, a point, so. There will be things in the first 15 minutes or even 30 minutes or even the first half uh, that might work against us. Uh, but in the end, we'll have too much. In the end, we'll have too much. And the great thing with these five substitutes now is also that although yes. we, we don't have as much ammunition on the bench as we would like, <laughs> but but even if the boys on the pitch don't do it, you can relatively quick, even a half time, do two, two or three changes. So I just think that the sheer quality of what we bring will be enough to beat them. Yeah, and then, of course... 
with one eye on the next game, Klopp has to do that. We may talk about one game at a time and all that, but as the manager and the medical staff and all the rest of them, they've got to think about the next game that's coming up. But that's against your old club. Can we relax a little bit before that one? Because we've, we've sort of got one foot in the in the knockouts, but is that you know can can we rest players a little bit more for the game against Ajax, or do we do we need to kind of sort of still kind of you know sort of spread these players thinly and make sure that we don't overwork them on Saturday so we've got them for the midweek? I, I do think that if we're going to make this, we, we made five changes for the West Ham game and we'll make changes again for the Forest game. Uh, but I do think that if there's anyone unexpectedly playing, uh, whoever that might be, throw a name out there and that Phillips or whatever, I, I think it'll be Ajax away. Uh, yeah. you, you know, I just think the club will, will view that game and go massive respect for Ajax and massive respect for the Champions League, isn't it? But yeah. I just think that we feel that we're almost where we want to be in, in, in terms of that. Uh, the Forest one, I think, will have priority. So will the, the one the week after, which leads at home, I think. So, uh, but we'll put on a relatively strong team in, 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 in all other reasons. But I do think that if there's anyone to be rested or any surprises as such, it will be Ireland's away. Yeah. And are you sort of, um, how's, how's your feelings about that game? Are you going to be a Liverpool fan for that game or an Ajax fan for that game? I think I know the answer, but you must yes. sort of have mixed feelings. Listen, Ajax is a great football club and it, 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 it's great that the way they, they carry on doing the same things and tradition and you know, with their shirts and everything. I mean, they never ever go away from the tradition, do they? Very traditional club, and they keep producing fantastic players. But I have no emotional attachment to Ajax as such. Right. I played there for two years and really enjoyed it. Successful, maybe some great players and whatever. But I never quite... Ajax was, for me, how I thought a professional football career was going to be. You play a couple of years at a club, and then you move on to the next club. And that's how your career goes. So you never really get... Let's not forget that most footballers don't ever play for the club that they support, whatever. They just play for whoever wants them, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so I thought that Ajax onto Liverpool, onto somewhere else, onto somewhere else, and then eventually go back to Denmark, isn't it? Yeah. So I escaped that emotionally involvement with Ajax, but I didn't at Liverpool. Uh, yeah. You know, Liverpool was the one that, that got under your skin, you know, yeah. and made me, made me stay for 12 years. That wasn't my choice. The club decided that, you know, they could keep me there for 12 years, but I'm coming up towards nearly 40 years in the city, isn't it? You know what I mean? So... Yeah. There was no escape in that side of it, you know. I mean, so I always look back and I'm, I have a real soft spot for Ajax in terms of how they do things or whatever. But it's, it's I could never imagine me being at Ajax and being a fan, you know what I mean? But I admire the work that they do. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it is it is a, I mean, it's a it's a game that we've got to we've got to be careful of. We could slip up, but yeah, it'd be just good to get back um, after the start against Napoli. You know the way that. You know the way the season was going, and that that just stuck out as as you know a horrendous game in what was going to be a horrendous season. But you know, a few games later, well, a handful of games later, and all of a sudden things feel like they're turning around. Um, you gave us predictions. I think I, I checked what you gave predictions for the last couple of games. You had two two for the City game, so we did even better. And you yeah, we did even better. Yeah, West Ham. yeah that was nowhere near, was it? So, but I think also I've got a night. You get an idea of not quite sure whether we're going to continue with the system. That was my biggest sort of worry. Are we going to continue with the sort of yeah. the way we've been playing? And, and and what is the idea? And I think the idea now is that there's probably going to be less goals in our games in the next few weeks yes. uh, because of the way that we've chosen to play, isn't it? So, yeah. having said all of that, I, I think we'll beat Forest 3 0. Um, I think we'll beat Ajax 3 1. I think Ajax yes. might nick one. Yeah, because I think Ajax. Ajax only have one way of playing, don't they? And that's attacking, isn't it? So they're going to throw people forward. They're going to try and cause us problems. Whereas I think Forrest will be quite tactical and he'll be quite happy to keep it at nil-nil and see how it goes, isn't it? I think Ajax is going to be a bit more different. I think Ajax has got more of a chance of it being an end-to-end game, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, let's go with that, Jim. 3-0 at the City ground and 3-1 at the Johan Cruyff Arena. So that should be another good week, shouldn't it? Yeah, well, if you do, if you get... Um... Two wins. I don't think anyone's going to complain about that. And it just, you know, continues this season and this really difficult sort of, as you've said, heavy, heavy spell of fixtures now, but keeps it going, keeps them, keeps them playing. And I don't know, you look at the end of last season, Liverpool had the games coming thick and fast. They were all big games and they just kept rising to the occasion over and over and over again. It's um, it's, it's how Liverpool are at the best, I think. I don't think they're, they're a team for playing one game here and there. As, as hard as it is to keep up with it, 
that that's what we want. We want to see Liverpool going at 100 miles an hour, don't we? Yeah, uh, and, and and that it's it's right, isn't it? But only when you're at your best, isn't it? When you're at your best, we can turn them games out. We can turn them performances out, isn't it? You know I mean, and you want to play as often as you can, isn't it? But it just looks like slowly we're getting there now, isn't it? And yeah. of course, lo and behold, we want them when it will hit top gear, and then we'll send them all off to the World Cup, isn't it? Somebody else will get the benefit, isn't it? So, and that, that's a whole different thing we have to deal with as well. How do people come back from the World Cup? In what state? And I'm not talking about physically. I'm talking yeah. about mentally, isn't it? Bizarre. Yeah. Yeah, dreading it, dreading it. Um, it's going to be a strange Christmas, isn't it? As well, waiting for that to um, waiting for the waiting for the football to come back again. But at least it is back on Boxing Day. Jan, thank you so much for sitting and talking to us tonight. I'm sorry, uh, Trev's fans, you didn't get to listen to Trev tonight, but I'm sure he'll be back soon and he'll be back with you as well, Jan. And he'll be able to pick you up on these predictions and see how well you went. I'm sure he will, Jim. But it was good to have you uh, along. You hope you've enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, definitely. So, to, to all the subscribers. We'll have big chat back hopefully next week. Yep, that's right. So anyway, once again, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And as Trev always says, spread the word if you can. But until next time, that's all for now. Goodbye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.